Welcome to Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. Your weekly opportunity to tune in and listen to the best review team online, taking time out to chat with you and each other about everything lingerie. Our incredible team have reviewed over 7,000 reviews so they know what they're talking about. Every week is different, from chatting about their favorite brands of hosiery to educating you about playing safe when delving into the world of kinkwear for the first time. So for open and frank talk on all topics surrounding the world of lingerie, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. I'm Sophie and I'm joined by... Jocelyn on Lingerie Lowdown, although Ariel Anderson for everything else. How yeah. confusing. Why Almost everything. Why did I do that? I should have been Ariel Anderson for Lingerie Lowdown. Yes. I just didn't think of it. It was at a time when I was using both names. Mm-hmm. Um, I just went for one, I guess, kind of randomly. But I should have introduced myself always as Ariel Anderson because she is much better known. Complicated story. <laughs> anyway, I'm both. Hi. Hi. My goodness. That takes me to actually not my first question, but you've written a book. And I what have. name is that being published on? Ariel Anderson, because I've finally seen sense and seen that I should do everything under the name I'm best known for. Why do so. you think that? Well, because I should have just done everything under one name. I should have just picked a name and stuck with it. Mm-hmm. But because I had started off as a mainstream actress, I was mm-hmm. using my real name, Jocelyn. Yeah. Um, and so when I started modelling, I didn't expect it to be a full-time job, so I carried on doing it as Jocelyn. And then I started being met by people going, oh, you must not use your real name. Oh, you'll yes. get stalkers the end of days. Yes, so, like, you asshole. That, that yes. It's a, a serious security breach, aren't you? So after about six months, I made up Ariel Anderson, which is a name I really like, um, and started using that for stuff where I thought I might get stalkers. So anything where I might get fans, like anything like pay sites. Yeah. And I carried on using Jocelyn for like, working with More mainstream stuff. doing fashion, doing mainstream okay. stuff. Um, but it was incredibly confusing and I shouldn't have done it. I should have just been Ariel Anderson or just Jocelyn or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have written a book and last time I saw you, yeah. every spare breath you had you were tapping away writing yeah oh my god yeah you were you were like really in the zone of kind of you were so driven and wanting to complete I think it was like a hunger yeah I really I loved it I loved it I think it might be a thing we have in common learning to do new things is so exciting yes and I just wanted to learn how to write a book Mm -hmm. and I started and I realized I think I know how to write this book at least um and I didn't want to go to work. Um, I mean, I, I love my job, but I yeah. didn't want to do it. I wanted to just do this this job. So I was yeah, staying up at night and just writing Which at night. Which you don't know how rare that is. Yeah. For jobs <laughs> like that, that does not happen at all, does I'd it? I pretend to go to sleep. Yeah. So my husband would think I was sleeping. And then I'd sneak up and type for a few hours and then go back to bed. That is absolutely brilliant. I love that. I loved it. I loved it. So the book is called Playing to Lose. Okay. Now we don't play to lose. Yeah. No, we don't. We love to win. <laughs> yes, we so, do. So the title, what does it mean? Where does it come from? What's that about? It's Where does the title come about from? 
So the memoir is about me realising that sexually speaking, I'm submissive, mm -hmm. which is something I can trace right back to really, really early childhood. Just mm -hmm. the instincts, the games I wanted to play, the roles I wanted to play in those games. Mm -hmm. Obviously, as a child, it wasn't sexual. It was just, this is what appeals to me. Yeah. And then when I became old enough to be sexual, I realised, oh God, this, this is what appeals to me. This is also what I think is sexy. Yeah. This is also what I think is beautiful and romantic. Mm -hmm. um, and the realisation that although in real life I don't want to be submissive, I want to have my own career and I want to be independent, yep. mm -hmm. when I'm playing, mm -hmm. I want to be losing. Yeah. So I'm playing to lose, even though in life, of course, yes. of course I want to win. Very much so. So that is what the book's title is about. Were there other title options? Well, when I got my agent, he did not like the title Playing to Lose. Okay. So I, I said, okay, that's fine. Can it be called Who Bears Wins? And he said, no. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm out of titles now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I did automatically think B-E-A-R-S though. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's why he didn't maybe not. He wanted to call it The Happy Masochist, but I thought that sounded like The Happy Buddha. Um, and I yeah. Um, and I think... Actually, I don't know what your market is with your book, but I feel like there are certain keywords within our industry that people really don't understand. Yes. And masochist is definitely one of them. Uh, yes, I feel like people understand submissive better than they understand masochist. Yeah, I think that people just automatically relate the worst level of yes. violence towards yes being a masochist i think you're right i'm certainly more cautious about telling people i'm a masochist which i am mm -hmm. than being submissive which is seems to be something that's relatively vanilla friendly yes very yes why do you think that is i think it's maybe because people can imagine being a little bit submissive sort mm -hmm. of safe level of submissive or yeah. a safe level of dominant and they'll have met people who are more or less submissive slash dominant in, in a social way in yeah. their lives but you know you don't expect I suppose if you're a vanilla person who's not been exposed to BDSM you don't expect to meet people who are a bit masochistic or a bit sadistic like that sounds worrying it does sound worrying but again yeah. I think that's to do with the fact that kind of there's a slight media narrative towards it being a threat sounds a or, bit serial killer -y. or yes it does mm. or a kind of um, an unhealthy personality trait yes whereas I think Although I'm not a massive fan of Fifty Shades of Grey, I do think it certainly introduced the mainstream to the idea of like dominance mm. and submission being a kind of okay thing to play with. Did you read it? I did read it. Did you? I haven't. I don't <laughs> think I could because I take because I take work so seriously. I struggle with things that are kind of like just dabbling. Yes. Yes. And I'm not. I wouldn't say that I'm like an all or nothing person. In the sense of, well, you must, it has to be the hardest BDM possible. It's, it's not quite like that. No. But I think kind of the romanticised BDSM just kind of doesn't, my head just doesn't kind of grasp it. No, no, I understand. I didn't find it very exciting. I also, I found it quite alarming because there were some consent issues for sure. Okay. I mean, it's fiction, but sure. nevertheless, they're meant to be a real life couple mm -hmm. doing BDSM as a game. So like consent in that context felt quite important and it felt a bit coercive because she wasn't kinky but he was so he yeah. kind of made her kinky mm. which felt a bit wrong and also he was in the book um it is presented that he is dominant and sadistic because he had a really messed up childhood which is obviously it's really very damaging yes. it's a really damaging it's idea very, because it's very stereotypical and it's what people think anyway yes and it's but one of the also, reasons mm -hmm. people think a lot of kind of kink submission comes from 
a damaged yeah. childhood. And it's one of the reasons I wanted to write my book because I am one of the lucky people in some ways that I've got a good memory from my early childhood. So I know this was just innate in me. I know that this wasn't a result of childhood trauma because yeah. I remember, you know, being two and a half and thinking it'd be really nice to be kidnapped. <laughs> um, and it, you know, it wasn't because anyone kidnapped me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I felt like maybe I could tell my story and at least help to dispel the myth a little bit that this is as a result of childhood trauma because my my childhood wasn't without trauma mm -hmm. but I really don't think the bad things that happened turned my no yeah. no I don't think they had any effect on my sexuality but I thought I'll explore that idea in the book so mm -hmm. I do um I sort of explore whether any members of my family might be to blame <laughs> for yeah. my kinkiness mm -hmm. and you know I conclude like no they didn't do anything that changed how I felt sexually yeah. and then as I went through my life later as sadly a lot of women do you know experiences of things like sexual violence um which a lot of us experience on one level or another that didn't change my fantasies either mm -hmm. I realized I didn't want it in real life yeah. um and that I needed to leave anyone who behaved that way towards me mm -hmm. but my fantasies about how I wanted people to pretend to treat me mm -hmm. remained exactly the same irrespective of trauma or not trauma do you feel like your memoir is kind of multi-purpose in the sense of kind of it's there to educate people? I hope so. And but also like an exploration of yourself, yes. learning more about yourself. Yes, I did learn more about myself for sure. And I certainly think, gosh, for kind of ironing out a few sort of troubles you have in your own head, like writing down your life story is a great way to go about kind of sorting stuff out for yourself. So selfishly, the process of writing was quite cathartic. But then I realised I have to take out all the stuff in this book that is not going to be interesting to lots of people. Um, so I took out everything that I didn't think was strictly relevant to the narrative of how I started off growing up as a Jehovah's Witness mm -hmm. and ended up as a BDSM model. Mm -hmm. So I took out a lot of stuff that I thought, people don't need to know this. Okay. Like, and this isn't going to be the most interesting part of the story. And what I've left in is the stuff that I hope many people would relate to. I see. And the process of writing the book is you, you wrote it kind of, I suppose, first draft yes and then what happens after that then I worked through it all again and changed bits and like cut a lot out mm -hmm. and made it better and then I did the same thing again and so then I got something I was really proud of and I started contacting what are they called literary agents mm -hmm. um and I honestly there seemed to be loads of literary agents mm -hmm. I thought oh this shouldn't be too hard I started looking at their websites and they were all looking for a lot like I found lots and lots of literary agents who were looking for memoir written by women with a feminist message mm -hmm. talking about sexuality and identity and I thought oh this is brilliant they're all this my book. fantastic <laughs> and it turns out the fact of being a sex worker mm. made a lot of literary agents a lot of whom are fairly young women a lot of them were just like no like really? keep your diseased book away from me it was really shocking because I thought these were going to be my new best friends and I, I was met okay. with this kind of and it's not that they were reading the book and going no they were just reading the premise and going no um and it was mm -hmm. a bit of a shock and I realized well I suppose I could always self-publish but that the fact of being turned down by 75 agents wow um who did not read the book mm. I thought I might have to self-publish this and I don't want to because I want this publishing industry to accept the voice of a sex worker yeah because I know 
of course, working in the modelling industry, I know all these bright, articulate women with stories to tell and the idea that we wouldn't be seen as acceptable. That we're shunned because, yeah. And that we'd still be shunned 20 years after Belle de Jour first came out. And it was a massive success. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was great. So I thought, no, I have to carry on. I have to carry on. So it's interesting that who I found as an agent. Yeah, I'll say something. Do you think that perhaps Belle Jour was so successful because it was anonymous? Yeah, I think it maybe was. Because it's still in the realms of fantasy rather than yes. memoir. And I think when it came out, I don't know how clear it was that it was an actual diary. I don't think it was obvious. So I think it allowed people to kind of enjoy the fantasy without having mm. to come to terms with, okay, this is a real woman's yes. actual life. Yeah. This is what she's doing to make a living. So yeah, I think it might be that. So then I wrote to a male agent. Um, Were you specifically looking for a female agent? Yeah, to begin with, because okay. I thought it's a feminist book. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah, totally, absolutely. And I mean, oh God, like 80% of the agents I found were women, so. Um, okay. And then I got taken on by a male agent who really loved the book and who has represented other people who are have worked in some way in the sex industry mm-hmm. and he seemed really unbothered by it. Um, and he was lovely. But he said to me, this is a politically difficult topic at the moment. Um, okay. Because, and this is awful, because I think these things are great. Like the Me Too campaign and the Time's Up campaign, both, like, I completely believe in. Um, but he said, with those being such vocal, yeah, yeah, vocal points in the media at the moment, a book by someone who makes a living being submissive to men is politically difficult. So he said, I think we're going to struggle to get a publisher. And indeed, the first few publishers he mentioned it to, we got some super weird feedback. <laughs> like, like, well, if it could be fiction, like, that would be great. And I, and I thought, I'm not going to pretend it's fiction. Yeah. Um, either my story is acceptable or it's not acceptable. Yeah. Um, and we got someone saying, like, it would be good if she was trans. Well, like, again, I'm not. <laughs> what the heck? Why, sure. why would it be? Do I have to pretend I'm just, like, I'm a... I feel like that might make a female. It, I feel like that might make it worse, actually. I think they were thinking, well, if it's going to be, like, contentious, it might as well be all the contentious issues at once. Right, okay. Like, can she be a drug to addict all the as well? I mean, all of them. Oh it felt God. like that. Um, there was something else that was mad as well. I can't remember what it was. And I... And then... Then I actually approached a publisher whose work I've loved for ages. They're called Unbound. Yeah. And they wrote back. They are very, very um, forward thinking. Mm -hmm. They've taken some very big risks on books they represent. Um, And so I wrote to them just, and it was the last people I could think of, honestly, who I wanted to have the book. I mean, there were were small publishers, but I thought I either want to do this properly or I want to self-publish it. I want a proper publisher to like, to make sure it's as good as it can be. Mm-hmm. And they said yes. And so now I have got a book deal with a publisher called Unbound um, in London with proper offices and everything, Ooh. like proper grown-ups. And now we are going through the process of like, editing it and getting it read by lawyers to make sure no one gets sued. Wow, okay. Because it's non-fiction, of course. I hadn't thought of it, but wow. actually as I was writing it, I did think a couple of times. But I wonder some what... borderline yeah. comments, I mean, perhaps. I'm telling the truth, but that doesn't necessarily reflect well mm. on people. I mean, including me some of the time. I've, it's just occurred to me that perhaps in some autobiographies that I've read that it does say some events have been 
Yes. Change. Yes. So I think a lot of stuff like that kind of goes in at this stage. Um, and I'm waiting to hear back. I'm really scared. The first like round of edits is about to happen. So I'm about to get from my editor all the things they think are bad in the book, basically, for me to change. Bad in this, like... Well, I mean, they will they won't say these are the bad bits. They'll okay. say, maybe this paragraph doesn't work very well. Or I don't know if you come across as very likeable in this chapter. Or <laughs> maybe this chapter's a bit redundant. I'm trying to okay. like prepare myself for all the things Fine. they might say. Okay. Um, and so then I will make those corrections. And then it goes to copy editing, which I believe is them saying your punctuation's wrong. Okay. So I'm prepared for that now. That would surprise me. Yeah, I mean, I'll be fascinated to find out because, I mean, I've been using punctuation the same way since secondary Forever. school. Yeah. But maybe it has been wrong all this time. Who knows? Okay. I'm about to find out. But, oh, my gosh, it's interesting learning. It's really interesting learning how a different industry works because one thing that I find so shocking compared to our industry... Yeah. Because, you know, we're used to shooting something. Mm -hmm. You might get it to the customer that afternoon mm -hmm. or it might be online for sale that afternoon. It's a very slow process, the book, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. Um, so this pre-orders open you mm -hmm. can pre-order it now but it won't be printed yet until the edits have happened um so people won't be getting the book still for a few months um and i want them to read it now so after the copywriting uh -huh. then it what happens then then they do the design for the cover okay. which is very exciting yeah. this is very exciting because they asked me what I would like the most and they said we might ignore you but like tell us what you'd like they said it in a nicer way um and I said look I felt rude saying it but I said I'll show you what I really don't want okay and I sent them all the sex memoir covers that I found that are like black and white with a silhouette you know anonymous yeah. woman who's just her leg yeah. coming out of a taxi very tacky and I said I just don't want that because it looks like erotica yeah and it looks like I'm ashamed and I just don't want that and then they were like, okay, like, yes, that's probably that time has passed. Maybe yes. you should be like on the cover, like showing your face. And that's what I'd always wanted because otherwise it's like, I'm ashamed and I'm not ashamed. I'm yes. proud. And, and so I wanted to be on the cover Yeah. because if you look at autobiographies by people who've done stuff that people expect them to be proud of, their face is on the cover. Yes. And I felt like if my face wasn't, it would be like saying, I'm not that proud. Enjoying the conversations today. Well, we wanted to take a short break to tell you more about our website. Are you looking to treat a loved one or yourself to some new lingerie or hosiery and don't know where to start? Let the most diverse team of presenters from across the globe introduce you to more than 500 brands as we publish new and exclusive reviews every day. In fact, we have over 7,000 reviews available online right now and you can join us from only $9.99 a month. However, we want to treat you to something a little special for listening to our podcast today. Use the promo code podcast to get 10% off the purchase price. Best of all, there's no time limit with this code, so you can keep using it when you renew your membership. So after listening to the rest of the podcast, head on over to lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use the promo code podcast today. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the podcast. So then, okay, so then design. Uh -huh. And then... Print. Then, like, 
yes, printing happens in a slow way, I think. Yes. And at the same time, marketing starts. Okay. I mean, I've started marketing. This is, sure. this is marketing. Yeah. But um, they start marketing it then. And I think I might, I might get to go to book festivals. That's fun. I don't know what they're like at all. I won't know what to wear. And you know, like a book signing, like if we were playing models going to a book signing, we'd yeah. wear tiny little skirts, wouldn't we? <laughs> and like a sheer blouse. I think that you have probably got endless. Also, I want to call you an authoress. Authoress outfits. Yes, probably, probably somewhere. Yes, I, I just I mustn't base it on what we would wear for a modelling shoot. That's no. what we need to not do. Fine. I need a whole different wardrobe for all three clothes. Fine, go. I feel it. like there should be hats with matching skirts and gloves. <laughs> gloves. <laughs> Like leather driving gloves. Yeah. Yes, yeah, totally. Perfect. <laughs> oh my good. Okay, so from from the moment that you started writing the memoir to the potential kind of release, what's the time scale? <gasps> I started writing it in January 2019. I started wow. it. Um and now it is September 2022 that and a very long time. the writing the first draft only took me like seven weeks so yeah. all of the rest of that time has been finding yeah. people to help um, okay is that the normal time scale for a book I I have no idea the average time from getting a book deal mm -hmm. which is like signing a contract with the publisher to publication date is 18 months so that is slow um, I think probably the time it took for me to get an agent was longer than average mm -hmm. because I think most people don't carry on if they don't get an agent after like okay. 20 queries they just give up okay. which I can understand sure. um, and I think the thing that made it slowest of all is Covid um, because Fine. my agent was just about to go to the London Book Fair which is where a lot of books are sold to publishers and it was shut down by Covid that mm -hmm. was March 2020 and of course nothing then publishing basically shut yeah. um, for a year so I think there's my process has been longer because of that. So hopefully okay. if anyone watching or listening to this is planning to write a book, it shouldn't be this bad for them unless COVID happens again. <laughs> I hope it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Or some other kind of pandemic. Mm. Okay, so when the book's released, yes. I know that you are very much a kind of, you're a project person. Yes. Do you think you'll do another? I would like to do another because I've got ideas like okay. piled up in my mind of stuff I want to write. Okay. Because I really, when I was writing my memoir, I, I was aware I didn't want it to be really inward looking because it can be a very self-indulgent thing to just tell your own story, mm -hmm. like write down your own story, how you felt and stuff. And so I tried to make it as outward looking as I could because I wanted to tell the story of our industry mm -hmm. as well because, of course, we started in this industry around the same time. Yeah. A very exciting time when being a freelance model, you could finally do that. You could mm -hmm. be online and get your own work. So I wanted to tell that story. I wanted to tell the story of the like BDSM world mm -hmm. and how it works and how BDSM production works and how we look after our safety and all these things that aren't just my story. They are like our story. Yeah. But it's still a memoir. It's still, to some extent, my story. And yes. I've got lots of other things I'd like to write about. I'd like to write about like custom video customers and and the variety of our sexual taste. And I'd like to write about the discrimination that kinky people have experienced like, through the last, well, how many years? Yeah, forever. Like 100 forever. years, yeah. Yeah, forever, um, ultimately. And so, yeah, I've got loads and loads. Oh, what I'd like to, I've been writing some erotica that's not published yet. And okay. I, yeah, so I've got loads so and loads So I wondered loads. if you might kind of go down the more kind of story telling route rather than kind of um, 
like art rather than yeah. non-fiction it's yeah. tricky I love writing non-fiction because what I the way I write is I write stuff down and then I read it back and and say to myself over and over again is this true though is this true is this as true as it can be mm -hmm. and I delete stuff and rewrite it until it is as true as I can be um and so then I think of fiction and think, oh, Jesus, how would I do that? Because none of, <laughs> none of it's true. But I'd like to try because it, it feels like maybe you're not a proper writer unless you can do both. That's how I feel. So I'd like to be able to do both. So I am trying. But I do find myself when I'm writing erotica, I do find myself sort of veering back to stuff I've actually done rather than making but up stuff. But you've done I so haven't. much stuff, so perhaps that would be quite difficult to avoid maybe. reality. Let's say that. Yeah, let's say that. I wonder if lots of other erotica novels or kind of kinky fetish books are they written by writers who research or are they written by kinky people i feel as though you can tell the difference between the ones that are written by kinky people okay i don't know if you've read a lot of erotica i have read some it doesn't fall around bdsm it kind of falls right. more around kind of i wouldn't say vanilla sex but it falls more around a very gentle kind of top and bottom right sex yeah kind of style. like romantic kind of mm, no <laughs> slightly more forceful than okay. romance i'd okay. say yeah. yeah yeah um so like, one of the things about 50 shades of gray that people in our industry and community have not loved is that you can just tell it's not written by someone who actually knows yes, how it it's is. written it sounds like it's written by a bored housewife and that's, I mean, that's, that's totally fine. fine. Obviously, yeah. a lot of people liked it for that. But like, the BDSM erotica that I've read, where I've just thought this is wonderful, it has all turned out to be by players, by mm -hmm. people who've really had like BDSM relationships, because I just think there's a kind of depth of understanding and a, a depth of understanding of like what the sensations are like. Because, you know, you can't write about BDSM and just go, in oh, and it felt really good. Like, you have yeah. to explain why, um, especially because a lot of the sensations... Like on the face of it, sound awful. Oh, um, that's true. <laughs> it's, it's complicated. Yeah. And I really, as I was writing, some of the later scenes in the book are about the more extreme stuff that I've done. Mm -hmm. And as I was writing it, I just, I, I thought I really, I want vanilla people to be able to read this without wincing. I want them to understand like the depth of pleasure I get from it. But I can see it's going to be a bit of a leap for some people to. To read about some stuff they definitely wouldn't want happening to them yeah but that hopefully they'll be able to understand why i want it happening to me <laughs> do you think that you'll do an audio version yes i will definitely do an audio version i cared so much about it that it's not in the contract okay. um, because the way it works in publishing is the publisher would sell the rights for the audiobook to someone else who would make the audiobook because a lot of publishers okay. don't do their own um I, th I hope I'm being correct about this. I'm still learning about this. So they basically said if the book hasn't sold its audio rights within like 18 months or something, oh, then, quite long. then it can be back to you. But I said, no, I really, really want to do an audio book. So they changed the clause in the contract. So if, if no one's done it from six months after it's been published, I get to do it myself. Okay. But actually, I mean, I hope that it, the rights do sell. Um, because again, I'd rather have someone making sure I do it right than mm -hmm. me take it on myself and possibly not do the best job of it. So I hope the audio rights sell. It's quite fascinating that actually the rights to the audio version don't really kind of run in tandem. I was really surprised. I've been so surprised by so much of it. It puzzles me 
very much. It seems a little bit archaic that they would kind of keep them quite separate. Yes, and I think if you're, you know, Stephen King and everyone knows it's going to sell massively, they bring out the audiobook on the same day mm -hmm. that the book is published. But if you're a first-time author, it's too much risk for them to put the money into production. Okay, I mean, um, from that point of view, I can, I understand. It just, 18 months just feels ridiculous. I mean, even six months feels quite... Yeah, it does seem quite, quite long. long. And I, I just really am going to hold out for me being allowed to read it. Because, of course, a lot of authors don't want to, mm -hmm. so they hire voice actors. But I trained as an actor, so I sure. feel like I'd really like Very to okay read my well. voice. I'd like to read my own words. So, let's say it does sell. And do you have a say in who, in the type of voice that might read it? Well, I'm hoping I can just insist on it being me. Okay. But, um... I think they quite like... I feel like it kind of goes with the ideology of what it's about. I think it makes sense for it to be anyone else. I'd make the argument that the like fans of mine know yeah. what I sound like and it's gonna be really weird for them listening to an audiobook of That's my words you. written in my in not my voice. And yeah. if, if a professionally trained actor cannot read her own words, like what are you doing? who possibly could <laughs> <laughs> So I figure they'll probably just audition me and okay. I'll try to do a good job because I would desperately like to do it myself. Yeah, so I'm just not even allowing myself to think about that not happening. But um, but if it didn't, I guess I'd like it to be someone else who works naked because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be kind of whitewashed. Yeah, I don't want anyone pretending to be me who wouldn't do the things I do. Yes, <laughs> I think you're narrowing your selections, perhaps. But um, um, yes, will you have a book party? I will have a book party. I've never been to a book party. I don't really. I think they launch parties. Yes launch parties so i don't know what you're meant to do so my version might be very strange okay um it might be a kinky party okay but i'm very i think maybe they happen in bookshops quite often yeah so have I've, you been to one i have been to plenty of book signings okay i've been to loads of books oh signings. well because my dad's a photographer isn't he and he's done <gasps> loads for waterstones i've never been to a book signing either they are fun they are actually really fun i need to go to some other people's book parties and book signings before my book comes out so that i can learn how to behave i like the idea and it's purely fantasy of a book party that you would see in a very hollywood movie <sighs> because Book signings in the UK are a bit flat and kind of you're ushered through and it's a bit kind right. of like, it's not very exciting. Whereas I have this vision that in kind of a Hollywood movie that it's very much like everyone's dancing, there's casual music in the background. Yes. And everyone just is there for a very long time. Yes, like it's a that's, party what that's what yeah. I want. That's what I want. You should wear a ball gown. Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. I find myself very fascinated by people who aren't professional authors writing books and then the clothes they wear to promote the book. And sometimes they look like they're in fancy dress. Like Madonna <laughs> wrote a children's book and it was the okay. weirdest thing. And <laughs> she was suddenly in this... What like she wear? Like a 1940s suit. It was the strangest <laughs> thing. Uh, I kind of want to do that. It's That's great. Child friendly. <laughs> Yeah. That's hilarious. What a gift. Yeah. What a gift Madonna is. Oh my goodness. So I'm going to model myself upon her, obviously. I'm going to wear something incredibly frumpy to show that I'm a writer now as well as a porno. <laughs> <laughs> so can people can people still pre-order? They can. Yes, pre-orders are open. Um, obviously, at this point, there are months to go before you actually get the book. And I'm very sorry that publishing is bloody slow. But... 
if people pre-order, it helps me massively because the number of pre-orders we get will help the publisher decide how much money to spend on marketing and how much energy to spend on it. So if I didn't get many pre-orders, um, they would probably think, okay, this is not going to be a big seller. So the more people who do pre-order, the better. And at the moment, the extended options of rewards are still open. They won't be open for so long. So if you want your name in the back of the book, that is still an option because mm -hmm. it's not been printed yet. And there are also for like a few amazing super fans have done deals where they've kind of funded the book up to a thousand pounds and then they wow. get to have a signed copy and they get to have afternoon tea with me on their own That's and all sorts of, so there are all all these options um starting at like 10 pounds for the ebook going yep. right up to a thousand pounds for afternoon tea and everything amazing because you like sandwiches okay. i do very much <laughs> I like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the publisher said are you sure you want to do that I'm like, is it, will you feel safe? And I said, yes, I will yeah. always feel safe having afternoon tea. <laughs> and like, four people have booked that option That's and amazing. I'm going to their cities um, and having afternoon tea with them, which That's is incredible. very exciting. Yes. And there are also, there are custom video options so you can get the book and a custom video or a book and me reading the first chapter of That's the fun. book. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Like they're quite innovative, I think, this publisher that they, they understand that some people might not have 10,000 fans, they might have a thousand really intense, super intense yeah, yeah. fans. And of course, that's how things are in our industry. Absolutely. It's not like we have a million people who know who we are. No. Maybe we do. I don't I know. I don't know. <laughs> but we have some people who are very invested in our careers. Um, so I think for people like us, like my publisher, Unbound, would be a really good choice yeah. you want to write a book ever do you think mm. does it interest you so i um a few years ago perhaps had i continued doing webcams i don't cam anymore mm. i thought kind of a webcam diary might have been <gasps> i would read that might have been quite a brilliant and fascinating read because the idea behind webcam is that kind of girls ladies women are sat waiting for a call on their bed yes and it might ring through a couple of times and they're just kind of masturbating and that's it yeah and I didn't do anything like that I sat in my dining room first primarily because it's the warmest room in the house mm -hmm. so it was comfort first and I was sat at the dining table and I'd be sat with the dining chair so I was very upright yeah arguably yeah, not, that's very, not what you expect it's not sexy in the slightest and very rarely ever took my clothes off like I did mainly kind of just verbal humiliation but very gentle and satire mm. um and I thought the collection of stories that I had mm. would make for an education yes and very fascinating reading I'd because, love to know about that because yeah because I felt that I am I'm somewhat educated and that and I think there's this kind of facade that people think well you can because you can't do anything else mm -hmm. and um, yeah, and you don't and you don't have a wide vocabulary yes and ultimately I would fire off just endless creative insults to yeah to submissive men yes. online and so I kind of wanted to quash that yes really yeah absolutely that's how I felt really strongly about writing my book I just want some of the misconceptions people have and some of the stereotypes I just want to have done my bit to yeah. dispel them I know we can't no single one of us can do all of it but just to do 
what little we can mm-hmm. to just stop people with the stereotyping because it's yeah, exhausting. Yeah, it's quite boring. Yeah. I find it very boring. Yeah, and it means we see people, whenever there are news stories about people in our industry, you have all these people coming online going, oh, get a proper job. Oh, well, now you're going to have to work. You don't pay tax. Now you have to work in McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's such a barrage every it's time. So it, honestly, it's so repetitive and boring. I just think, like, get a new insult. And, like, we can't change everyone's minds, but we can oh. change the minds of people who are smart enough to read books, and that feels yes. like a good place to start. Yes, yeah. definitely. Well, thank you so thank much for you. your time. Thank you, thank you for your time. I really no, appreciate I'm it. I'm excited. I've ordered two. Thank and you so much. Too, I? One for my mum, who is very liberal and open-minded. I love your mum. Uh, yeah, you she's actually met my mum. Her so. mum has amazing hair. Yeah, she not does. Surprising. <laughs> she does have amazing hair. But yes, they've actually met and it's fabulous. And I'm excited to gift it to her. Thank you very, very much for your support. And please do, please do buy my book. There's much, much lingerie in the book. Just Perfect. so you know. That's of a course. great That's a great reason to buy it. Because, of course, like becoming a... Freelance model, you some some suddenly have a budget to go and buy <laughs> sexy clothes. Oh my god! Yeah, you're out. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. I'm Sophia Smith. This is Jocelyn, and this is Wonder Lola on the podcast. Thank bye. you. Bye. Thanks for listening to us on Lingerie Lowdown, the podcast. Don't forget that we release a brand new episode every Wednesday for you all to enjoy. So if you love lingerie as much as we do, make sure to catch us same time, same place next week. Don't forget to visit the website lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use our promo code podcast to get a 10% discount off your membership today. So if you love lingerie as much as we do, make sure to catch us same time, same place next week. In fact, it's not just lingerie we love to talk about and review. We cover it all from the world of intimates. From lingerie to hosiery, swimwear to sleepwear, kink and bondage, and we even review sex toys. All in the best possible taste, of course. With over 7,000 published reviews online, we're the number one review site, and we're publishing more every day. And don't forget to visit the website lingerielowdown.com forward slash join and use our promo code podcast to get a 10% discount off your membership today.